Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is wise and understanding among you. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. James isn't messing around here, is he? (laughs) Earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Well, in last week's reading, if it was a commentary on the Eighth Commandment, then today's reading is a commentary on the First Commandment. What is the First Commandment? The, The children told us, right? You shall have no other gods. The Lord's supposed to be number one. He's supposed to be foremost in all things. And whatever else takes that place, that thing has become an idol. Luther has a wonderful definition of what it is to have a God. He says, whatever you fear, love, or trust in most, that's your God. Whatever you fear, love, or trust in most. And where do jealousy and selfish ambition come from? An idolatrous, sin-sick heart. A heart that has made self an idol. We love self more than neighbor. We love self more than God. A right heart loves God and others. An idolatrous heart loves self more than God or others. And then from that idolatrous heart come Jealousy and selfish ambition because somebody else is receiving praise and I'm not. Here's how it is. A right heart exults when the Lord receives glory. A right heart rejoices when our neighbor is lauded. A sin-sick idolatrous heart, on the other hand, it becomes jealous when God is glorified. It becomes jealous when others receive acclaim. An idolatrous, sin-sick heart sings the Toby, Toby Keith song. I want to talk about me, want to talk about I, right? It's all about me. And man, why does that song resonate? Because that's what we feel. We love to receive the attention, to receive the praise. Oh, come on, let's just talk about me for a little bit. And there's countless examples in Scripture where we see exactly what James is talking about. In Acts chapter 5, 17 and 18, But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in prison. Filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles. Why were they filled with jealousy? Because Jesus was receiving this credit Jesus was receiving this praise, and and people were looking to the apostles and not to them. And they just couldn't stand for that. You can see it in the church at Corinth. Their pride with which they, uh, uh, in which they, uh, which teacher they associated with. The pride that they had in the status that they held in society and even within the church. And the pride that wouldn't allow them to bear with others in love. One account that really stands out to me is in, in 1 Kings chapter 22. Uh, you have this, this situation where 
It's about 80 years after the kingdoms are divided. You remember how you had the united monarchy, and then after Solomon, you have the divided monarchy. Well, it's about 80 years after the kingdom is divided. The northern kingdom is Israel, and the king in Israel is Ahab. You probably remember Ahab because of his, uh, his wife, Jezebel, and some of the not-so-good things that Ahab did. Uh, the king in the south in Judah was Jehoshaphat, which you just remember because he's got, he's got an awesome name, right? I mean, Jehoshaphat. So you got the northern king, you got the southern king, and they get together and they're like, hey, Syria is a problem. Let's just team up. We'll just we'll, we'll, we'll work as one and we'll go take out Syria and uh, we can just do this together. Now, Before Jehoshaphat decides he's going to commit to this plan, he says, let us first inquire of the Lord. Now, in those days, the way to inquire of the Lord was, you go to a prophet of the Lord, and the Lord would speak through the prophet. The problem was Ahab, in the northern kingdom, he had just created his own religious experience. He had kind of created his own church. He had appointed his own priests, his own prophets. And of course then, because he's created this whole thing, what are they going to tell him? They're going to tell him exactly what he wants to hear. So he gets all of these prophets, so-called prophets, together. About 400 guys. And he says, all right, should we go to war or should we not? And of course, what do they say? Of course, O king, of course we should go to war. The Lord is with you. He's going to give you victory. But Jehoshaphat, the king of the southern kingdom, he's not so impressed. <laughs> he kind of realizes this is a sham. You've, you've created this whole thing. None of these are real prophets of God. He says, are there any real prophets of the Lord here? And I love Ahab's response. He said, there is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, but I hate him, for he never prophesies good concerning me, but evil. <laughs> sure, we could ask this guy, but I hate that guy. I don't want to ask him. He's going to tell me bad news. These guys already told me what I want to hear. Let's just go with that. Sure enough, they bring him in. And Micaiah does not give him the word he wants. He says, I saw all of Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, they have no master. Let each return to his own home in peace. Prophesize doom if they go to war. The problem is, Ahab had already ceased to listen to the Lord because he was listening to his own God. He was listening to himself. Ahab was his own God. He loved and trusted himself, and then he constructed a religious system to affirm what he already had determined in his own heart. 
Sounds an awful lot like what we see all around us today, doesn't it? Sure enough, Ahab and Jehoshaphat, even after consulting the true prophet, ignore him. They go to war, and in the war, Ahab is killed. Idolatry inevitably leads to death. In Ahab's case, it was earthly death, but those who do not repent of an idolatrous heart, they're in danger of an eternal death. This is what James is warning against in chapter 3. This is why he's saying things so bluntly. This is why he calls it what it is, unspiritual, earthly, demonic. James is exposing the fruit of self, the idolatry of self. The fruit of the sin-sick heart, the idolatrous heart is jealousy and selfish ambition, which then lead to disorder and vile practice. But the fruit of the holy heart, a heart that has been made pure and holy by the Lord, a heart that fears and loves and trusts in God, a heart washed clean by the Holy Spirit, by the blood of Jesus, the fruit of such a heart is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Michael Lockwood, a uh, Lutheran pastor in Australia, shares a, a wonderful example of what this actually looks like in real life. He writes, One of my fellow pastors in Australia, an adult convert to the church, when he first began to take an interest in Christianity, one thing in particular held him back. He thought, If I become a Christian, I will have to put God first in my life and my wife second. And I love her too much to do that. Yet in the end, he found the gospel so exciting that he became a Christian anyway. His wife then noticed a difference in the way he treated her. He started treating her better than he ever had before. This impressed her so much that she decided she wanted to become a Christian too. This change in my friend's behavior makes perfect sense from Luther's perspective. When he no longer treated his wife as an idol, but as a gift of the true God, he was able to show her more love, not less. It works the same way with self. When we're so concerned with making sure I get the credit, making sure I get noticed, well, then I become jealous and I become filled with selfish ambition. But when we put God first, when we live by faith in him, we're actually set free from this. It's a wonderful paradox. Here's how it works. The more we live by faith and the more we live in order that God would be glorified, the more he exalts us. He lifts us up. But simultaneously, the less we care about it. (laughs) As we humble ourselves, the Lord lifts us up. He exalts us. And we don't even care that we're being exalted because We want the glory to go to God. This is what James is talking about at the end in in chapter 4, verse 10. He says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. You don't have to exalt yourself. That's just idolatry. But when you humbly serve the Lord, you know what he's going to do? He's going to lift you up. Jesus teaches this. 
in, in Luke chapter 14 with the parable of the wedding feast. Do you remember that one? The guy walks into the wedding feast and he, he's pretty important. So he's got to take a seat that reflects just how important he is. And he takes a seat way up at the front. And the master of the banquet comes to him and says, uh, <laughs> you know, you're not supposed to be here. And he gets a seat way in the back. But the guy who comes in and he seats himself humbly in the back, the master comes and he says, what are you doing all the way back here? And he exalts him. This was the problem that the disciples were having in our gospel reading today, wasn't it? They're walking along, talking about, well... Which of us is really the most important? And what does Jesus do? He he brings in a child, puts the child in their midst, picks up the child, and he says, you know know who's really important here? This little one. This little one. This humble one. Humble yourselves, and he will exalt you. So when we have that sin-sick idolatrous jealousy in the heart. And you know it, right? You've seen it in your own heart. You've seen it in yourself. What do we do? Well, we go to the Lord. We confess it. Just like we talked about with the kids. It's no different for you. You go to the Lord. You confess it. You say, Lord, I have a problem here. Take away my jealousy. Forgive my jealousy. Create in me a clean heart so that I can be a peacemaker as you have saved me, redeemed me, and made me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.